Shut up and sit down. Welcome to our next episode of Business Bros. Dude, we're here together talking about debts. Debts and debtors. Debts and debtors, the two uh, evil superhero villains. Villains, crossovers, two faces. Two faces. Oh, yeah, I yes, like that. You know, Harvey Dents. Harvey Dents. The right? Harvey Debts of the world? The Harvey Debts of the world. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Right? Because debt can have uh, both positive and negative uh, effects in your personal finance, right? Definitely. We, we actually have three different types of debts that we put in our show notes for today. Yes, we did. We got bad debt. Bum, bum, bum. We got good debt. Dun, dun. And we got no debt. Hmm? I don't know. Yeah, it's got its own side of sound effects. Yeah, we 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 <coughs> got it. We got to come up with some sound effects for the show anyway. I mean, yeah. just kind of pulling these ones out of nowhere. So whatever, <laughs> it's cool. All right, so let's start off with bad debt, right? I might as well start off with the bad and then work our way to the good. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, what if it if 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 bad is bad and good is good? What's no? Neutral? I guess it's got to be neutral. It's got to be better than good, though, right? Uh, you know, it, when we had this conversation a um, couple episodes back, you know, we talked about how you can use debt to get yourself out of the rat race. You can use debt to accumulate uh, income-producing assets. You can use debt. And, I mean, we're already getting into the yeah, subject yeah, yeah. a little bit early here. Um but what you brought up was no debt is a peace of mind. You are no longer a slave to any debt, whether good nor bad. True, true. So, you know, it really depends on how you look at it. But uh, let's start, first of all, by defining bad debt versus good debt. All right, cool. So bad debt, right? We're going to use this simple definition because there's some things on here on our bad debt list that people would argue those are good things. Correct. Right. And so the way we're defining debt or bad versus good debt, bad debt is going to take money out of your pocket with no means of it coming back. Right. It's just you have to pay that bill. Right. You have to go to work and pay for that bill. Whereas good debt, good debt, there is a bill there, but somebody else is paying for that debt. Somebody else is in position with revenue coming in to cover that debt. So there's two ways that I've heard it said. One is bad debt takes money out of your pocket. Good debt puts money into your pocket. Okay. And then the other one is good debt will feed me. Bad debt will eat me. See, I think both debts will eat you. But but like, okay, so let me, let me play devil's advocate here a little bit. If you have a debt mm-hmm. and you have a income stream comes in to cover that debt Mm -hmm. and you make zero dollars is it good or is it bad if the asset that you own that is producing that debt and it's you know zero balance if that asset is increasing in value then i would say that it's good all right all right fair enough just kind of a hypothetical, I mean, what came yeah. first, the chicken or the egg type question. Makes sense, makes sense. I mean, let's say you have a house and you bought it for $100,000, right? And you rent it for $1,000 a month. So per our 1% rule, you're breaking even. You're breaking even. 
you are 100% breaking even. So you're not making any money on it. But next year, the value of that house is 120000 Then you made hypothetical money on it until you actually sell the asset, but it went up in value. Exactly. Okay. But you could go turn around one year later, sell it, and make 20000 True, true. So in that sense, I would say it's good debt. All right. Well, let's start off with our show notes, and we we because we can go off on big tangents here. So yeah, yeah, we definitely so can. This is a big to the, topic for yeah, us. So let's stick to this, to the show notes. We're going to start with uh, our first most common type of bad debt. Now, this again could be considered a good debt depending on how you look at it, but we're talking about a car loan, right? And for the most part, car loans tend to be bad debts because we use them. We get a car for ourselves, mm-hmm. not really for a business. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a depreciating asset. Um, meaning, have, meaning, once you buy the car, it will never increase in value. It will always, it will only ever decrease in value. Correct. Um, not only do we buy the car, we usually finance it, which right. extends the time period that you're paying this car off. You know, usually between five and seven years are more common car loans, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to pay interest on that loan. Anywhere from 3 to 8% or even higher. Depending on your credit. <clears throat> Depending rating, on your credit. Yeah. So this is our first type of bad debt, right? Again, because we're talking about does it put money in our pocket or does it take money out of your pocket? Every single month <clears throat> it takes money out of your pocket if it's financed. If it's financed, right? Now, can you turn a car loan into a good debt? Yes. Explain. If you purchase the car and you turn around and use it for Uber or Lyft and you're creating income from that, I don't want to call it an asset, but from that vehicle that you purchased, if you're creating income from it, then it could be considered good debt. All right. All right. So there's a way to turn bad into good. Right. Right. For all you superhero fans out there, there's (laughs) always a positive side. All right. How about credit cards? This is our second type of bad debt, credit cards. Probably the worst kind of bad debt because most often there's not a hard asset like a vehicle, a car, motorcycle, RV, boat, whatever. There's a hard asset there that you can turn around and sell and recoup some of your money. But in credit card debt, there usually isn't that hard asset. Right, right, which is why you have companies that either uh, go and repossess these vehicles, you know, when you stop making a payment, because there's still a value to that asset, right? to that thing that you purchased that's tied to that car loan, for example. Uh, It may not be equal to the amount of the loan, but there is value there that they can recoup. Exactly, versus a credit card debt, usually there isn't. You're buying little things, a bunch of little things, maybe... Mm -hmm. You know, you you drink in prime and you buy up a bunch of stuff, or <laughs> or you go to the store and you don't impulsively drink in prime. yeah don't drink in prime, so or you impulsively buying things at uh, the Wally Mart or whatever it is, right? And you incur this debt, and the problem with this debt is most people don't look at credit card debt as a balance; they look at it as a monthly payment. Right. Right. And that's where it really hurts. You have interest rates on credit cards as high as, you know, 21, 25%, 24.99% or whatever it is. Right. Ridiculous interest Again, depending rates. on your credit rating. Depending on your credit rating. And uh, and you, you tend to look at this credit card on affordability because of the monthly payment. 
right? right? It doesn't matter that you tapped out, you maxed out that credit card. If you can handle the monthly payment, you think you're okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where people start to get into more and more and more trouble because they acquire the next credit card because they have good history of making a payment on the first one. So the next credit card company comes and they offer you a credit card and maybe it's 0% interest and you're like, perfect, I don't have a monthly payment for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, three months, no monthly payment. And you're like, cool. And you've already been impulsively used to purchasing things on credit. And so you buy more and more and more. Because and now, we want to buy now and pay later. Right now. Right now. Yep. Instant. Right. We're instant in the world of instant gratification. If I don't like that video, I click on another one. That's right. If I don't like that story, I click on another one. If I don't like that podcast, I click on another one. But that's why you're listening to ours because you didn't like the other one. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, it. I like it. So anyways, you, we get into these these traps, right? And before you know it, we're, you know, five, six, ten, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars in credit card debt, you know, but we're barely afloat because that minimum payment is just within our budget. Right. And that's the tough part. That is where people start getting hurt. And and they try to rationalize with themselves things like, Oh, it's okay, this credit card gives me a lot of points. Right? You know, I'm going to use the, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to use it to uh, earn the points and then I'm going to pay it off at the end of the month. But then mm-hmm. something happens, right? Something life happens and you can't ultimately pay it off at the end of the month. And so maybe you only pay off, you know, 75% of it. You know, you leave some, a balance there or worse, you make the minimum payment or worse. You make the minimum payment. Right. And, and what happens is you start getting used to making the minimum payment. Right, you have a little bit of extra cash because you didn't have to pay off that whole credit card balance at the end of the month. Right, right, because you 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 didn't stick to your original plan, and it compounds itself. It gets worse and worse and worse, mm-hmm. and then you're late. Eek. When you're late on a credit card, like I don't know if people know this, but you know that zero percent interest. That's that's kind of a fake thing. It's not really zero percent interest if you read the fine print. What is it then? So a lot of a lot of credit card companies will offer you a zero percent interest rate, period, right? So there maybe it's six months interest free. Mm-hmm. So you go, you get credit card debt piled up, and you're not paying interest for the first six months. But if you do not pay off the balance within the six month period, you had been incurring the interest that whole time. It just didn't get added into your balance until the end of the six month period. Gotcha. So if you don't pay off the balance. Now you get tacked on that zero interest rate. And then usually what happens is at the end of the six-month period, it shoots up to whatever the after introductory rate is. Maybe it's 17, 18, 19%. So you bump up right away, and you've been incurring that interest the whole time. It's just you had the opportunity to pay it off, and you didn't. So it's been sitting there growing, growing, and accumulating, and accumulating, and then six months or a year or whatever that time period is that they're giving you that introductory period. Once that's over... They throw it all in there as a lump sum, and now you're paying 18% interest on all of it. Exactly. Or worse, let's say in you know it's a one-year free zero interest, right? And we're, you, now you understand that that interest is going to be added to the end if you don't pay it off. But in month four, for example, you're late on your credit card payment. So you get hit with like a $25 or a $35 late fee for um, being late on your credit card, and your introductory rate is now over, automatic shoot up to whatever the prime rate is. Mm. So you get hit double time. So where you were looking forward to that 12 months of 0%, now all of a sudden you're down to nothing. four months and it's gone because and you missed the payment. Because you missed the payment. Right? So, Ouch. so the credit card trap is a big trap to, that, that 
people tend to struggle in because it's it's easy to get into, hard to get out of. If you make that minimum payment every single month on that credit card, it could take you a good 17 years or more to pay off that balance just by making the minimum payment. Yeah, they're designed not to be paid off for 20 to 30 years. Right, they're designed so that you can manage the debt, so that you're doing nothing but paying interest every time you make that minimum payment. You know what else you hold for 30 years? A mortgage. A mortgage. It's absolutely. I mean, that helps us lead into our next section here, right? Talk about the debt that you're not going to pay off. A mortgage is another bad debt. Now, is buying your first home a bad thing? No, that's not what we're saying here. We're just saying by definition, if the if the debt is not being paid by something else, another income stream, it's considered a bad debt. It's, right. it's got to come out of your pocket, right? The fact that it comes out of your pocket makes it a bad debt. It's not a bad thing that you bought a house. We're just defining good debts and bad debts here. All it is is that your monthly mortgage payment is a payment that comes out of your pocket and it's not somebody else paying that mortgage for you to create income. Since it's coming out of your pocket, it's a bad debt. Right. Right. It's a liability. Just because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean that I'm a bad Bad guy. guy, Right. All right, Wreck-It Ralph. That's Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. So same thing. I got that one. Yes, you did. All right. <clears throat> so that's what we're saying here about bad debts. Just because we're calling it a bad debt doesn't mean that it's a bad debt. It's just by our definition, it's a bad debt because it's coming out of your pocket. Right. Just that's bottom it. line, it's not putting money in your pocket. It's that's it. a debt that you took on that doesn't pay you. So mortgages have different ways that they can be produced, right? The most, uh, the two more common ones are 15 and 30 year fixed mortgage, mortgages. So, and by the way, we don't actually have mortgages in California. We call them mortgages, but they are not actually mortgages. What mortgages, are they? Uh, they're trust deeds. Interesting. So um, we're we're promising to pay back this note. We have a promissory note, but we don't actually have mortgages. Interesting. That. Uh, I However, mean, the word mortgage sticks, and everybody knows what you're talking about when right. you're talking about mortgages. Okay. Pretty crazy, huh? All right. So anyways, back to mortgages. So a 30-year or a 15-year fixed, right? And this means that for the next 30 years, we're going to have a scheduled payment, right? And you're going to make the same payment every month for the next 360 months. Principal and interest. Principal and interest. Now, these are usually amortized loans, meaning that they're interest heavy at the beginning and principal heavy at the end. So the first about seven years or so, you're paying almost all interest in that mortgage. Right. And the banks design it that way because they know most mortgages get either sold or refinanced after seven years. Most of the time. So within those first seven years, you're doing nothing but paying interest, paying off very, very, very little of the principal so that when you turn around and either refinance it or sell... They have charged you all of that interest. You've paid all of that interest, and then they recoup the entire funds that they lent you to begin with. Exactly. It's just that the game is stacked against you, and you don't know, so you just play by their rules, right? A little bit of education. Here's another one. You can get an adjustable rate mortgage. Ooh, man. People loved those back in 2006, didn't they? Also known as an ARM, an an, an adjustable rate mortgage says, we're going to fix your mortgage But instead of for 30 years, maybe we'll only do it for three years or for five years or for seven years or 10 years, right? And during that time, 
you're gonna your your payment is gonna be fixed. But guess what? We're gonna make it really small for you because you know we want you to really get into this home. Of course. So yeah. we're gonna make the payment really low. Technically, it's out of your price range. But if we give you an adjustable rate mortgage, you can get into it now. Right. Buy now, pay later. And that's the problem: is it's gonna be fixed and it's gonna be very manageable for the first three, five, seven, or ten years. However many years you lock this arm into and then after that your interest rate can adjust and interest rates have been historically low for a long time Mm -hmm. but you know you can only go so far down before you have to come back up right and if you're in one of these adjustable rate mortgages you can read the fine print some of them adjust at one or two points a year meaning that your interest rate can go from four, three and a half, four percent, and then if interest rates go up, you can adjust all the way up to six percent in that one year. That's huge. And some of them even have caps. Like the, and that's okay. You know, we'll adjust, but the most we'll ever get to is ten percent. The most. The most. You know, hey, whatever. And so what happens is, you know, some of these people are comfortable in their mortgage, and they forget that they need to uh, refinance this type of mortgage eventually to you know, earn more income and qualify for a regular 30 year fix mm-hmm. or the market changes and their appreciation is not the same anymore. So they can't qualify for a refi mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a number of different reasons. And then what happens? The arm starts to adjust and they can't afford their month- monthly payment. And then they get in trouble and they have to either walk away from the home or do a short sale or whatever it is. So, you know, making sure you understand what type of mortgage you're getting is absolutely important. Um, And I mentioned 2006, you know, this was the height of the real estate bubble. uh, The last time that we were in, you know, in in a peak cycle, in a peak part of the cycle. And a lot of people were doing these arms. A lot of people were doing these adjustable rate mortgages and they were doing multiple arms and they were buying multiple properties. But then when those arms were over when those adjustable rates or those fixed rate periods were over and it went into the adjustable rate time by then they were not able to get loans the market had tanked and interest rates went up so high that they couldn't afford it and well compared to like the two percent loans they were getting at the time so high being like you know five four four and a half five percent right yeah (laughs) that's that's only three point jump but three point jump is huge when you're talking about a five hundred million or five hundred thousand dollar house, exactly. half a million dollar house, that's exactly. a lot. It's a lot, and so you know, it, just just be weary that there are a number of products out there, and just because you can afford the month to month doesn't necessarily mean that that's the product you want to get into, right? Understand that there's a different type of of mentality going in here. If it's great for you, it's even better for somebody else. Right? There's, a, there's you got to understand there's a checks and balances. You know, you're not. The I mean, you're important to you, but you're not important to as important to the person lending you money, right? right. The bank has their own interests, and they got to make sure they keep they keep their members or their stockholders happy. They got to make a profit, and you have to be responsible for understanding what it is that you're signing. Right. So be weary, right? Mortgages, bad debt number. What are we in three? Yep. Uh, uh, mortgage. Let's be specific. Mortgage on your personal on your personal residence. property on your okay. personal residence. It, it does count as bad debt by our definition. Yeah, because we do have mortgages in the good debt section, which we'll talk about here. Right. But the uh, the last bad debt most people generationally going forward have acquired this debt um, in droves. Yeah. And uh, it's student loan debt. 
student, student loans. loan debt. The, you so you and I had this conversation as we were sh- preparing our show notes here. Uh, student loans, do they qualify as bad debt? Right. Because we had like, you know, is it, are we saying that we don't want them to go to college? Are we saying that, you know, when, and that's not what we're saying. All we're saying is when you go to college and you borrow money to go to college, there's no revenue coming in that covers that. Are you working? Is that revenue coming in from regular work? Yes. Does it help you get a little bit of a better job and pay raise? Pay raise? Yes. But it's not a direct thing. I can go out and get a degree in, um, I don't know, culinary arts, right? Mm-hmm. But then never work in a restaurant. Right. I, I end up doing administrative stuff or, or and office that kind of management. stuff happens all the and time. And that happens all the time. So, yeah, you have a degree, you have a bachelor's degree, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have an asset paying for your loan. Right. Because you don't have something paying for your loan, by definition, this is money coming out of your pocket. This becomes a bad debt. Now, is it a bad thing to go to college? No. Uh, no. Absolutely not. We encourage it. We think that, you know, that's something that if you don't have any other way to pay for it, you probably should take on these student loans. But there's different ways to do it. You don't have to go to Stanford University if you can't afford to go there. Right. Uh, but if you get accepted, I mean, by all means, try to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see you see these memes all the time, you know, about... Uh, People who have taken on all kinds of student debt and they get a degree in something like, I don't know, fine arts or something, you yeah. know, not knocking anybody who has a fine arts degree. Okay? It's just trying it's to just find work. Trying to find work in that specific field is very difficult, right? right? And then on the other side of that same meme, you have somebody who uh, did a year in a vocational school, learned a trade, right? Had very little debt and makes seventy thousand dollars a year right and it's it's a matter of of you know what you what you have us tied to what your what your what your debt is holding you back from doing because you borrowed money to do that specific thing right. again it's the education today with the hope and promise of something tomorrow right Correct. and 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 you can still go to college and pay it off and you just you started a junior college you stay in state, right? And you, you, uh, you maybe you go to your local university instead of trying to go out of state. It's still a degree. It's still an education. It's just a, a you got to really be money smart because you want to minimize what you borrow for college. Sure, but let me go back to another one of our episodes and uh, regrets. Regrets. That's right. See, that becomes a very emotional issue. You know, to tell somebody stay in state, go to community colleges, that and the other. Well, what if they get accepted to a really prestigious school like Boston University? That's what I said. If you get accepted to Stanford, by all means, try to make it happen. I'm just saying that's not the only path going forward. Right. And, and that's and you know, and the reason why even even she didn't go to Boston had to do with money. It did. So, so, you know, can you have a regret? Of course you can have a regret when you're, when you're making that decision because it is emotional at times. Right. Right. But, you know, we're talking specifically in good and bad debt terms. You know, there's a way to do it to minimize the cost. It's the degree that's important, not necessarily the university that's important. The university is more of an emotional prestige thing. But when you're looking at it just from pure finance point of view, there's other options. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm I'm just gonna say I think that some people will look at somebody who has a degree from Stanford and hold that person in a higher regard 
than somebody who got their degree from I don't know name, University of Phoenix, University of I Phoenix, know, I 100% or agree National with you. University, where you know I got my degree from. I mean, you're going to look at these two candidates, and I'm sorry, you're going to be more impressed with the person that got absolutely their degree from absolutely. Stanford. Absolutely. So, but it, but impressed with and pay more are two different things. If the two applicants are going for the same position, it doesn't matter whether they have a Stanford degree or a National University degree. The one that gets the job is going to get the pay rate that is there. That's true. They're not going to get a pay raise for having gone there. They might get the job over the other person, mm-hmm. but they're not going to earn more money for that position than the other person. There you go. That does that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. All right. So and in that case, the education is equal to the school where you got it. Right. Right. All right. All right. All right. So that's uh that's a couple of examples of bad debt. Let's get into some examples of good debt. So remember that good debt is money that uh, is a debt that's being paid by some other income producing asset, right? This is money coming into your pocket and the money that comes in, comes in covers the debt with maybe something left over as a profit. Ideally. Ideally. Ideally, there's a positive cash flow coming from that. So th- these are properly leveraged assets, right? Real assets. So when you, when you buy a place, maybe you put a 10% down payment and you borrow the 90%, right? But this is, uh, well, let's talk about a mortgage in this case. You buy a property, you put down 10%, you finance the other 90%, and then you rent it out. You have the mortgage being paid by the tenant. Right. Right. This is a true rental property. This is where you have positive or zero cash flow. And if you do that, then that same mortgage that you, it could be the 30-year fix or the 15-year fix, whatever the other options that you were working with, as long as the revenue coming in covers that expense, you have a good debt. Right. Right. So the rental properties that we currently own, all five of them, uh, I'm sorry, four out of five of them have mortgages. Yes. And all of these mortgages are covered by the rental income that we earn from each property. And then some. And then some. So each property that we hold, uh, besides the one that doesn't have a mortgage, each property that we hold uh, brings in an average I saw of about two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars per property per property right and so those are good positive cash flows and and every time we were if, if we stuck to that same uh, plan of using leverage to buy properties every time we bought a new property every time we came up with the ten percent down to buy the next property to leverage the next one we would increase our cash flow by that 200 250 dollars a month right right and that's not necessarily a bad thing you do 10 of those and you're at 20 grand a month right right so so it's not uh it's not a bad strategy it's just you know if any like let's say you you were making that 20 grand a month and you had a bad you know month where you had half of them vacant or the economy shifts and we go through like something in 2006 and all of a sudden you can't get them rented for what you were renting before. Right. You know, those could really hurt you. They can easily go from being a good debt to turning into a bad debt. Right. You know, and that's kind of the that's kind of the issue that we have where we'll talk a little bit more about having no debt. Yep. Right. We'll but get we'll get to that we'll get in a little that. we'll get to that in a little while, but just understand that, you know, if you have a rental property and you're able to rent it for more than what the mortgage is that is considered good debt absolutely. you're making money from the debt that you acquired absolutely and uh and and let's say for example you buy a property and your your rent your mortgage on it is about you know 500 bucks and you're renting it for 500 bucks you have a zero right right 
is that still a good uh is that still good debt right well we talked about one thing which is the appreciation right okay and the other one is a phantom income these are things like tax deductions i get to depreciate the value of the property in other words i get to write off some of the property value every single year for the next 29 years so if i have a house valued at i don't know hundred thousand dollars i can take um, it's about two and a half percent, so about twenty five hundred dollars every year, and write that off in my taxes. So that's so like phantom income. You, it can get you into a lower tax bracket. It it it, it wow. reduces your your taxable income. Thank you. That's so it reduces your taxable income, thus reducing your tax. So it's essentially free money, right? right? And and this is what you know. It's normally called phantom income. You're not really getting a cash flow. But when you sit down and do your taxes, you're lowering what you end up owing. So that difference is essentially income for you, right? Nice. So even if you have a zero positive cash flow, you still have a potential for some phantom income, which could essentially turn that into a good debt. So if we say zero positive cash flow is neither good nor bad, taking into account phantom income, taking into account appreciation could turn it into good debt, in my opinion. There you go. All right. So that was uh, using debt for the purchase of real assets okay real assets being specifically real estate right okay we also have business assets so we could use debt to build a business right and we kind of just talked about this and well a little bit in the uh earning an extra 100 200 a month episode Right. And we were talking about different, you know, some of them were just quirky stuff like gambling. Right. But right, some of right. them were legit, you know, things that you can do to make an extra hundred, two hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Right. But some of them cost something to get started. Right. Right. Like we talked about the Amazon section where being a third party Amazon seller or offer up or Craigslist and you're picking up uh, one of them was I was talking about picking up free items. But another way was to buy a backpack um, that you saw at, at Walmart. You're picking it up for ten dollars. You scan it. You realize you can sell it on, on Amazon for twenty dollars and you you buy ten of them. Right. Right. Well, you're buying them at ten bucks a pop. You're buying ten. You're going to spend a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that money back plus an additional hundred bucks. But in the meantime, you're, you have that capital, right? You have that debt that you've built up. Now you can do that on cash. You can use uncle MasterCard or and visa, right? Whatever right. it is, you can use that debt, turn around and sell it and then pay that debt off, turning it into a good debt. You right. have an asset attached to it, a business asset attached to it. And I mean, Maybe you're not necessarily going to do that with a backpack, right? A backpack is a pretty, I think it's maybe not a very good example. Because but the cash is manageable. The cash is very manageable. But if you're talking about something more niche, right? Yes. And uh, trends and fads that are happening, right? Things that we see. You remember those uh, little mini motorcycles? Yeah, dude. Those little, the little tiny, tiny ones? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. They, uh, what the were they? Like, bikes like or whatever? 50, 50 cc's or yeah, something like tiny. that. They were really really small and like i always thought it was hilarious because like you saw these like big guys yeah riding them around riding them around (laughs) (laughs) god that little bike looked like it was struggling yeah um but you know when those things were coming out they they became like this huge trend and fad everybody wanted everybody wanted one uh so one of the things that we did was they were selling uh well no you met somebody who was selling them for like 200 bucks each. each Yeah. Wholesale. Wholesale. And um, they were retailing somewhere 250 around 250 300 something like yeah. that. 
So you take on a little bit of debt. You use Uncle MasterCard and Visa, buy about 10 of them, turn around and sell them for $250 apiece. Now you're making some extra money. You're leveraging you know, some credit card or whatever. You're leveraging that money to make more money. You're turning a, a debt into a good debt. Right. Now when you see a trend you know, like that and you're able to recognize it and act on it, that's a way to make you know a quick buck. Yeah, especially using using other people's money, which is the key there. And using other people's money. So essentially doing some math, if it costs you zero of your dollars, but you're getting back money, what's your return on investment? Um, infinity. Infinite, because your return on investment, your investment was zero. There was none of your money. You're using other people's money, which in, is essentially credit card debt or whatever it is, but whatever it's not kind your of money. Technically, it's not your money. Right. There you go. So yeah, so we can use uh, we can use debt to buy paper assets. Um, use um, so the only thing is that I that I that I've seen with this. So um, there's a saying that uh, banks won't lend you money to buy stocks. Right. Right. And there's you know if if a bank won't lend you money to buy its own stock, not even should, its own stock, not even its own stock, should you be borrowing money to buy? Paper assets like stocks? Probably not. Probably not. Not necessarily a recommendation. No. But again, it's a it's an option. It is. It is. So, so when you're talking about, you know, using debt to buy paper assets such as stock, okay, uh, one of the things that I would probably recommend, one of something that I would probably look at is stocks with dividends. Yes. Right? The higher the dividend, the better. Yeah, because it's paying you something. Right. It's paying you something out. There are stocks out there. I mean, uh, I held a stock a couple of years back that was paying, I want to say, uh, 12% nice. dividends. Nice. Like, it was, like a REIT? It was, uh, yeah, it was a REIT. Yeah. It was a REIT for uh, those of you out there, Real Estate Investment Trust. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're taking your money, putting it into a pool with other people, and the uh the pool ends up buying the pool ends commercial up buying property. commercial property thank you yeah so uh i mean and those were paying pretty large dividends but what you gotta understand is the higher the risk the higher the payout right right so you're putting your money into that thing and there's a good chance that it could turn around and crash yep and then your money's gone and then your money's gone or the value at least of that particular spot can go or stock can go way down right right so if you're doing something like that, you got to really educate yourself in what you're doing. Okay. It is an option. And I would probably be looking at uh, those stocks that have dividends and you could use the dividends to make the monthly payments. Absolutely. Just understand that usually the dividends on those types of stocks pay out quarterly versus monthly or weekly, whatever you're looking at. Right. So you got to make sure you manage it accordingly. Right. Quarterly, sometimes biannually, sometimes yeah. annually. Sometimes annually. That's so true. Mo- most of the time it's quarterly, uh, but you do find some every once in a while that they do pay out monthly. So just, yep. you know, understand that, understand what you're, what you're looking at. And, uh, you know, plan accordingly, plan accordingly. All right. So our last category of debt would be no debt, right? Talked about bad debt, talked about good debt. Now let's talk about no debt. To me, no debt is peace, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's, you're no longer, you're no longer beholden to anyone. You're, you're, 
every asset that you own, you own 100%. You're not paying anybody anything. Mm-hmm. And and that's absolutely one of the greatest feelings, I think. Of all the properties we have, the one that is free and clear is probably the best property we have. And it, it may not be the physically best looking property. It may not have the best tenants, but it doesn't hurt. Right. <laughs> you know, so when there's a vacancy, um, no rent. No, and when there's a vacancy, which means there's no rent coming in, it all it means is no check. Yep. Nothing comes out of pocket. And that is huge, right? In a month-to-month cash flow driven world, the fact that, you know, you don't get a check one month versus having to pay out that month, I mean, it makes it, it changes the way you look at things. Right. I mean, it changes the way we decided to do things. So um, it does require discipline, though. You have to get in the habit of paying yourself and building a nest egg for you to be able to purchase things all cash. Cash doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't grow on trees. Yep. Right? You have to dedicate yourself to being able to pay yourself first so that you can you can use that cash to buy something later that's going to make you money. This is a delayed gratification strategy. You have to be able to commit and discipline and understand that you're not going to get it done by yourself today. It's a long-term process. You're going to put a little bit away today, a little bit away tomorrow, a little bit away tomorrow so that you can get there as fast as possible. But when you do buy things all cash, those are true luxuries. They are. And just to say one thing that we continue to say, if you want to get rich quick, get rich slow. There you go. Absolutely. If you're going to get rich quick, get rich slow. You'll be surprised. People won't notice at first. And then all of a sudden, it just snowballs. Right. And then they're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. What are you doing? Wait a minute. How many properties do you have? Like, when, And it's just going to get... When did you start doing this? Yeah, exactly. They're not going to understand. And to them, it'll be overnight. It'll be fast. But you have been building this habit upon yourself for such a long time that it, it it's going to look fast, but it's going to be really a slow process. So if you want to get rich quick, get rich slow. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I, un- I interrupted your thought there. You were saying that the things, when you purchase them in all cash... They are true luxuries. They're true luxuries. You put away, you, in other words, let's say, uh, I don't know, a, a gold watch, right? If, if you go to the store and buy a gold watch on credit and you wear it, yeah, it looks good on your wrist, but it's not yours. You haven't paid for it yet. <laughs> right. You're still paying on it. So it's not truly yours versus if, if I pay all cash at, for that same watch, it's truly my luxury. I paid for it. It is mine. I own it. No and one's nobody gonna come can back and get it. Yep. And that's the thing. They're real luxuries, right? You also sleep easier at night. You don't have to worry about, oh, man, somebody's going to come like looking for my car or they're going to want my watch or I'm going to get phone calls. You have no financial obliga- obligations, you know? And you're you're not shackled down and you're ultimately getting rich every single day. You have a good habit of delaying gratification. You only buy what you can afford. You stick to your budget. You put money to work for you, and you're gradually getting richer every single day. Yep. So that's good. Yeah, that's that, good. We got the last little note here. Uh, this is something I like to do with my seniors every year, right before graduation. They get to pay cash flow. And the reason why this is in our notes is because we're talking about bad debt, good debt, and no debt. And these are topics that are very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prevalent. Prevalent. Yeah, they're very, very in-depthly covered in cash flow, the board game. Yes. So developed by Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad Corporation, or Rich Dad Corporation, whatever it is. I don't know. Anyway, 
Um, this game teaches the skills to manage debt. One of the strategies that some of your students use is to take on a bunch of bank debt and buy a bunch of stock when it's low. Super leverage themselves. Right, and super leverage themselves. If exactly. the stock comes up, they cash out and they make a ton of money. Yep. So is you know that's the whole paper asset risk, right? Right, right. It could paper work. Asset. It could not work. Yep. Uh, another student might go and purchase that widget company mm-hmm. that's you know buying your business and then, using it. Yeah, and using the, the money to calls on it, and yep. they make a lot of money. Bada bing, bada boom. And and the probably the most common uh, way of getting out of the rat race in that game is using leverage to purchase property. Property, right? Right. Small deals, start with small deals, and then you're able to get into some big deals. They get rich slow. So, cash flow the board game, Monopoly. Monopoly, same process, same same MO. Um, learn the rules of the game, and then you have a chance of winning. There you go. Same thing with finance and money in real life. Learn the rules of the game for money in real life, and you have a chance of winning. There's Educate no guarantee. Yourselves. There's no guarantee, but you have a better chance of winning if you're educated. Yep, and we'd love to chat with anybody who uh, has questions about this. Definitely hit us up, www.csfirst.com. Drop us a line, let us know. Yeah, or you can follow us on Facebook at at csfirst on Facebook or on Twitter at Trades on the Road. And that's all we got for you for today. So remember, if you want to get rich quick, get rich slow. That's all I got for you guys. Peace. Bye-bye. And I'm out.